We were all set to talk about the January 6th committee getting deep in the weeds. Gillian Maxwell's sentencing is imminent, but how long is she likely to get? Elon Musk claims that Tesla factories are doing so badly he'll lay off 10% of his staff. Another Rupert Murdoch divorce and Bill Cosby found guilty again in civil court. That was the plan until the US Supreme Court opened the door for almost all law-abiding Americans to carry concealed and loaded handguns in public after their conservative majority struck down a New York law that placed strict restrictions on firearms outside the home. This is the Irishman in America podcast with me, Jarrett Regan, and Marion McKeown over there. My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Marion, have you ever seen a more tumultuous week? Like, it feels like I've never had so many news stories to get through. And then literally 55 minutes before we go to record here, this gun law news comes through. What, what's your take straight away? Shocking, but not surprising. You know, this. I am not even slightly surprised that the Supreme Court, with a 6-3 majority, decided to overturn a very sensible New York gun law, which basically said, yes, the Second Amendment says you're allowed to have guns, you know, in your home to protect yourselves if, if you want, you know, with, with the subject to the, the correct restrictions. Uh, but you cannot carry a gun in a public place. You cannot carry a concealed weapon in a public place because, as a matter of logic, New York City has 12 million people. You do not want even 10% of that um, number carrying guns in public. Uh, mm. And, you know, I'm just off the top of my head now, I realize I say that would be 1.2 million people in New York who are walking around with concealed weapons. You know, it, it is this Supreme Court, and we've spoken about it so many times, it's, it ha- will permanently tarnish the reputation, I think, of, of Supreme Courts for centuries of America is still around to come because, you know, the Supreme Court still holds up the Bush versus Gore decision as the single worst decision uh, that was made by Supreme Court until this court um, came along. And it's made it very clear. This is a court, and we've spoken about this before, Charlotte, there are six Catholics and one former Catholic who's now um, an Episcopalian on a nine-person court. And these six Catholics are very... It, religious and conservative Catholics. And what they have done is they've brought their whole Catholic religious agenda, if you will, onto the bench with them. And, you know, of America, about 20, 22% of America is Catholic. So you have this ruling by minority and there has never been such an activist Supreme Court. There, You know, it's a real 
conservative trope, oh, the Democrats and their activist judges. There have never been Democrat activist judges who have behaved as the Supreme Court has behaved since uh, since Donald Trump election, the, the, its final three judges, the three, Neil Gorsuch, um, Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh, who are all deeply conservative Catholics. And as I said, Gors- Gorsuch is now an Episcopalian. But it, it to me, it is you know, you have to just to get into context with this a little bit. Uh, in Washington D.C., I think it was the Heller case about back around 2011. Uh, the Supreme Court said that yes, there is a constitutional right to bear arms, and people are allowed to have guns in their homes uh, to protect themselves, and it left it at that. Now, this Supreme Court has just said. The right to bear arms means you can bear arms, as in you can carry guns wherever the hell you want, subject to certain restrictions. Now, it it's not just that this ruling is inevitably going to lead to more deaths, inevitably, because what, you know... It, situations where things would not escalate to shootings, road rage, for example, take that, yeah. you know, somebody accosting somebody, I don't know, will they be allowed to carry guns on a subway? I, You know, all of these things have not been made clear. Um, you know, somebody accosts somebody else, whatever, you jostle somebody on a subway and suddenly it ends up in a shooting match. You know, you're in a public place, you're in a park, wherever. Uh, or people so- are drunk. Yeah, exactly. Concerts, you know, whatever, just at bars, every, everyday life. And and the problem is that, that, you know, if you don't have guns, situations can only escalate to a certain point. Now, in New York, the New York law previously said, okay, it said, if you have an elevated risk in your life, like it's say you work as a secure core guy who's carrying money, large amounts of money in a in a, a van from A to B or whatever, you know, say you have a job that is particularly risky, then you can apply to carry a gun on your person, you know, because because your personal circumstances are unique and they demand it. Now that makes sense, you know, in in a in a country where guns are carried and and you know there are four hundred million guns in this country now, that makes sense. But the Supreme Court said no, no, no. You know, the, what when the Second Amendment said bear arms, it means exactly that. Now back in twenty eleven, uh, it was I believe it it was Antonin Scalia, one of the most concerned of judges and you know the 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 icon of cons- the patron saint of conservative judges uh, who said no right no constitutional right is absolute and he was talking specifically about the second amendment and and this ruling where they said yes you can have a gun in your house and he said it you know it, it's not an absolute right to carry a gun and now this court has come you know 11 years later or no, 14 years later I beg your pardon and actually trampled on the, the the line that was drawn the boundary by the most who the the judge who was the most conservative judge in the Supreme Court at the time, and that just shows you how far the Supreme Court has lurched to the right in a terrifyingly short space of time. So, and the, the judgment I've just read it very quickly before we came on there. It's so incoherent. I mean, it, it, it's just it says, oh yeah, you know, you, you you can have background checks, fingerprinting before you before you have a gun, mental health checks. Well, I mean, that's the minimum. But then it says that there can be certain qualifications and sensitive areas. Now, what defines a sensitive area? Is it a school? 
Is it a church? Is it a concert? Is it a subway sensitive area? And every time I assume that the, the New York cities or the mayors or the ordinances um, decree a place a sensitive area, you can be darn sure that the NRA and their, boy, their boys are going to go back into court to, to challenge that. So what the Supreme Court has done with this is it has just opened the door to A, more debts, less safety, and, and you know another 50 million people will be affected by this ruling because about six states in America have similar laws to New York. So between 50 and 80 million, I think, actually. But it also means there's going to be more litigation, even more appeals to the Supreme Court that this, rather than bringing certainty to the law and clarity, which is the first requirement of, of a Supreme Court, they have now made it muddier, more confusing and more dangerous. I, I'm, as I say, I'm not even slightly surprised, but it is shocking and depressing that the Supreme Court has become the shill for far-right America, for the NRA and for all the special interest groups. And that's pretty much what it is. Now, I have to say this, that so many of our listeners feel really strongly about this. American listeners who tune into our show, who often get in touch with me too, say, this is not us. This 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 yeah. court does not represent us. Yeah. This court is completely out of touch with mm-hmm. most of America or right-thinking America. Now, I don't know if those, please, uh, how do they know that? But there's definitely going to be an uprising or a, not an uprising, but a huge backlash to this, Marion. But what good will it do? And how can... How can it ever hope to uh, have any impact when ultimately the Supreme Court kind of do what it wants to do? Well, you know, the problem is exactly that, because if you look at the the membership of the Supreme Court now, um, Clarence Thomas is the oldest judge on the Supreme Court. There's a 6-3 conservative majority. Um, So let's say hypothetically, the, the new appointees are all in their are in their forties and fifties. You can assume that with good health or even reasonable health, that they are all going to to be around for at least another thirty years because that is how the court works. There's no retirement date. There's no nothing. So if if you you would have to assume that at least John Roberts, who is the chief justice, who I think is less conservative than you know, the rest of the conservative judges, but he's weak. He's not a strong chief justice. And, and you know, it's it's an open secret in Washington that Samuel Alito despises him. He thinks he's far more intellectual than Roberts, and so does Gorsuch, and so do the others. You know, the, 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 the guys, do, and, and woman, Amy Coney Barrett, to his right, uh, have very little truck and very little respect for him. Uh, so, but, but as I say, apart from possibly... Um, Clarence Thomas, who, who could have another 10 years on the bench for all we know, and Samuel Alito likewise, these judges are here to stay. So this ruling will not be overturned unless one of a couple of things happens, unless the Democrats, um, but, well, and this won't happen in the next decade, I can assure you. The only way that this can change is mm-hmm. if the Supreme Court is widened and broadened. And if, if the Supreme Court ends up with 13 judges, we'll say, instead of nine. And if a Democratic president can basically stock up the court, which, again, I wouldn't want to see with another four or five Democratic-appointed judges who would then dilute the effect of these judges. But, you know, then what happens is you have, you know, probably a Republican president who'll add another five judges, and then you're up to 19 or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's not the way to go. But at the moment, 
the Supreme Court is literally a law unto itself because it is trashing precedent left, right and centre. It's coming up with decisions that make no sense in current day America. And it's doing this nonsense where it's saying, well, what did the founding fathers mean? So they look back to, you know, 200 years ago or more. And they'll, when there were, there was no internet, there were no mass shootings, there were, you know, there were no AR-15s, there were no um, magazines. And there are a couple of other cases now that are coming up um, before the Supreme Court as well to do with things like um, the, the right to have magazines that where you, you could have like 30, 40, 50 bullets. Uh, you can be sure that they'll keep that right as well. Um, and, and I just find it profoundly depressing that the it, it, it insists on going backwards. And again, with, with you know, the Roe v. Wade case, we, we have already had very clear signals that at a minimum, at a minimum, it will say that all abortions, uh, you know, that it will put very strict term limits on, on what can be done that will reduce women's rights substantially and that's that we know that's going to happen at a minimum and you see that they want america they're to go back to 1950s america where you had as i say you know you had white majority and and this is again this is a a very elite group of catholics basically who are on the supreme court of conservative catholics who are quite determined that as i say that america the, the division between church and state is being blurred with every decision that they make and that america is going to reflect their religious beliefs and it just i find it really disturbing what does being a Catholic have to do with carrying a gun, right? Well, it, it, I'm talking more now in the context of the Roe v. Wade, but but the the American um, conservative Catholics tend to be very much Republican. They tend to vote Republican. They tend to subscribe to all of the beliefs, as in the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Uh, interestingly, they also tend to be pro-death penalty. You might say, why? what does that got to Surely yeah. as a Catholic you would have. Um, it, it, it's more... It's very interesting in Washington that there's um, there's a sort of a, a disproportionate representation of wealthy Catholics in the legal profession in Washington and and beyond. And this is an area that the, that um, wealthy Catholics, wealthy conservative Catholics in America, have targeted for a long time because they see it correctly as an area where they can have disproportionate influence, and and they do. Um, and, you know, it's, as I say, it's, it's not just, it's, it, you know, let's see what happens. People are saying, well, marriage equality will be next, gay rights will be next. With this court, you know, sometimes you think that that's just crying wolf, but with this court, it's a possibility. You know, they, they are systematically, they seem to be hell-bent on, on minimising at the very most all of the civil rights advancements that have been made over the last half a century, voting rights, all kinds of things. And it really is, it's, it's deeply concerning. Deeply concerning can't be where we finish this, Marion. We can't. We can't no, be like no, this but- is a deep concern. What happens? What happens now? Like this means that anyone can carry a loaded gun yeah. anywhere. Like, yeah. Who appeals next? Like, what's the next step in the process of going? That's not right. Uvalde took place uh, yeah. two two weeks ago. This is not what people want. As we said before, uh, guns don't kill people, people do. And we know enough about the people now to know that they can't be trusted a lot of them with guns. 
Yeah, but but also, you know, people with murderous intent, you know, it doesn't get as far if they don't have a gun. If you've got murderous intent and you don't have a gun, you know, there's a limit to the amount of damage you can do if you are somebody who, and you know, they're they're putting all this now. It's it's all about oh well, you know, we need more guns. We just need more mental health care as well. America spends nothing. It, you know, in comparison to other countries on mental health care, people in America with mental issues, it's especially places like Texas, where there is no public health spending. You know, it's basically that they just, you know, they're ignored or they're shunned and, and and eventually they get a gun. Now, as I said, the court does do the nod, the Supreme Court, to background checks and fingerprinting and, and mental health checks. It gives that nod. But that that's not giving anything because all states are supposed to do that. You know, that that's, that's mm. the minimum. So, you, you know, I, I didn't like... I find it depressing as well because there, there's nowhere to go from here. We haven't got the equivalent of a, UP, a European Court of Human Rights where if, you yes. know, if the Irish Supreme Court does something that is really appalling, you know that there is another place you can go. The Supreme Court in America is the Supreme Court and that's pretty well it. And they have now laid the ground down um, and any laws that were introduced by any state that, that tried to overrule this will just be struck down immediately. Um, because, so it, it's... You know, and we, in, in the next week or so, if, if not before, and we're we're going to have, as I said, the ruling um, on on the Mississippi healthcare um, case, which will largely overturn Roe v. Wade. As I say, this court and the speed with which it is achieving its agenda is is dizzying almost. Yes. And of course, all of the conservative states are poised because they know if you've got a beef. Now, if you've got a beef with any liberal agenda or any whatever, now's the time to get it before the Supreme Court. Get in there now because they'll hear it. There was a time before before this court where a case like this, they would have said, no, it's settled law. We've already made our ruling on that. You know, next, please. And the same with abortion. They would have said, look, this issue was decided with Casey back in the Casey versus Planned Parenthood case back in 1995. We don't need to hear that again. But this Supreme Court is hearing every and any case that will allow it to basically target its pet areas of gun control, abortion rights, you know, and all of these areas that it really believes that it needs to assert its muscle in. And there is no reason for it. Most Americans would prefer to see fewer guns. You know, this, this is not... And, and your listeners in America are absolutely right. This does not reflect where most of America is going. This might reflect where Missouri and Wyoming and Texas is going, but it doesn't reflect most of America. Most Americans, most New Yorkers do not want guns. They don't want people walking around, you know, at 24 hours a day with concealed weapons on their person. They just don't want it. So you are overruling the rights and desires of states. And there was a real thing in America and in the Constitution that states should be allowed to govern themselves by and large in most areas, that the state laws should reflect the desires of the people who live in those states. And, you know, the Supreme Court is just taking a a, a wrecking ball to that as well. So you might not be, probably not able to answer this one, but if this goes, so they've laid, you said they've laid the groundwork. How far away are we from people actually being able to enjoy, inverted commas, the freedoms that such a law would give them? Oh, well, from today, basically. 
Because once the Supreme Court decides it's overturned a law, um, that law is struck down. And, and so it, it will be like if it reaches its decision on, Ro- on, on the, the Mississippi um, case, uh, which, which is seeking to overturn Roe v. Wade, as of that day, Roe v. Wade will fall. Um, and already about a dozen states, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Idaho, about a dozen states have already introduced legislation banning abortion. And because they believe that they can do it now, because nobody's going to challenge it until the the Supreme Court um, basically makes its ruling. And after the Supreme Court makes its ruling, certainly nobody's going to challenge it. So you have in America at the moment, even though the precedent clearly states at the moment that a woman has a right to an abortion and and the, the terms were were set out clearly in Casey in 1995 um all of the states are now ignoring that if they so wish they're all all the conservative states are bringing in their own laws some of them are banning abortion from the, the moment of conception some of them are giving 6 weeks some of them are saying that abortion is now murder it will be treated as murder and and so there's no coherence and there's no consistency in the law anywhere anymore. And this is the the legal chaos that this court is creating to achieve its own ends, to achieve ends that will allow it to really force American society into what it wants, into what reflects its moral values. I don't even know where we go from here with this no, episode, Marion. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Like I, I had written into what I wanted to talk about uh, the Texas Republican Party that oh, has yeah. re- proved a, a <laughs> radical platform, which looked radical up to an hour ago before we started this. But uh, the platform, maybe you'll explain what a platform is, but theirs rejects the results of the 2020 election. Like That's the, yeah. that's the core tenet, <laughs> that that result yeah. is rejected claims that Joe Biden's not legitimately the president. Mm -hmm. The party calls for, as we said, abolition on abortion, prohibition of sex education in schools, and the overturning of the Supreme Court case legalizing same-sex marriage, while it also refers to homosexuality as, inverted commas, an abnormal lifestyle choice. And don't forget, they also called on that same platform for America to pull out of the UN. So, well, you know, just oh. just a by the way in there, just another random thing that they pulled out of their rears, you know. So and, and we don't like this. This either. is their manifesto, essentially, yeah. is it? Yeah. When a so this was adopted at the the Republican State Convention in Houston um, last week, and basically what happens is all of the, you know, if if you're a member of the Republican Party in in any state, you're probably going to belong to the state Republican Party. So they all gather, and then they decide what they want, basically what they're going to push for, what they're going to push the state legislature for and what they're going to push their governor for and then you know what what happens and this is where you sow the seeds for future supreme court challenges so let's just say that greg abbott and it would be very likely decides you know what guys you're right i accept this manifesto i accept this platform which we've all signed off on homosexuality is an abnormality so we're going to outlaw it and then they do that and obviously then that's the subject of a supreme court challenge what happens in, in this Supreme Court? Do they say, you know what, Texas is right? Because, again, it's a situation where the Catholic Church um, 
is so anti-homosexuality that you have these this Catholic majority on the Supreme Court who, instead of looking at the law and the Constitution and the equal rights and the 14th Amendment and all of these things, will say, yeah, well, you know, this is what we believe. This is what we believe. And, and it, you know, so I, I really worry about when you see Oh, Texas also wants to secede from the Union. They also have a thing where they say, and we also want to allow Texans to secede, the right to, to hold a referendum to decide, to basically to do a Texit, you know, as opposed to a Brexit, yeah. to, to, um, to leave America and to just set up as its own independent country. That's another yeah, thing. Like, that they, like that they, the way Cork has been threatening to do for years. And we're uh, all terrified. I, we're all terrified yeah. of that happening. <laughs> but like, Marion, all I can see on Twitter is different representatives saying things like, my father was a hunter. I carried a gun for 27 years as an officer. I'm a gun owner today, and I support common sense gun laws. Yeah. That's what they're calling these yeah. things. Common sense gun laws. Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton, stopping gun violence starts with more funding for police and tougher sentences for the bad guys, the criminals who violate gun laws, not taking away due process from law abiding gun owners. Are those the, the two core arguments for allowing people to carry around guns wherever the hell they like? Um, you know, the the arguments, basically, this is the NRA lobby. What's behind this is it's the the gun industry. And, and you know, I, I think I said this to you before. I was at an event in North Carolina last November where um, Wayne LaPierre was cock a hoop and he said, we now have the Supreme Court that we wanted. We now have the Supreme... He was basically saying, we now own the Supreme Court. And you know what? He wasn't wrong because this is like... And again, back to your listeners, your American listeners, they're right because in states like California, Washington, D.C., New York, all these states... I see no appetite for more gun ownership. There is huge appetite for more gun regulation. But again, there is a system of minority rule, which is really taking root in the states where the views of a minority and and that minority being, you know, basically white Americans, you know, wealthy white conservative Americans, um, that their views are now being made law that this is how everybody in America is 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 having to live. This this is what will the the views and desires of a group of about probably thirty percent of Americans all in are what is going to run the country. That's what's going to dictate the laws of the country under this Supreme Court. And again, you know, most people look. I went out with a Texan for years. He was an avid hunter. He had a whole bunch of guns, but. And I think I said this before on the show, he and his friends would despise, they would laugh at anybody who turned up at a hunt with an AR machine. They mm-hmm. they would, it, it would be the, a source of ridicule and shame and embarrassment to that person in that community for the rest of their lives. They, th- like they want their guns, absolutely. They want their guns for self-defense. They want their guns for hunting. But they, they're going, we don't need AR-15s. We don't need, you know, so only a very small not a percentage of America, I would wager, really wants to have, a, you know, a country where anyone can have an assault weapon, anyone can walk around and, and, and you know, in, in states like Michigan and, and Texas, you can, you can you can have an assault weapon, you can have it in your car, you can have it wherever you want. Um, and most of America does not want that because most of America has seen what's happened in Uvalde and Parkland and Sandy Hook and, you know, Las Vegas and all of these, and Buffalo, you know, the, 
like church shootings, school shootings, people just going to concerts or nightclubs who are who are being shot. You know, um, most of America does not want to live like this, and and I can say that with some confidence, having been to every state in America several times over. Yeah, you'll go to to certain states, and they they just want no curtailment on their gun rights. And but even within those states, it's certain people within those states. Mm. And now you've got all of this. Part of the thing, I I think that. Adam Kinzinger, um, who is one of the two Republicans on the January 6th committee, spoke last week about how he believes more violence is inevitable. I have a lot of respect for Adam Kinzinger. He's a he's a Republican congressman from Illinois. He was a relatively moderate congressman, um, but he drew the line at January 6th. He drew the line before that. In fact, at the, you know, he the, the Trump impeachment, the first one, he was really concerned about what what Trump had done. But um, he would be considered he would have been considered until five, ten years ago, a normal Republican. You know, a fiscal conservative, a decent guy, um, a conservative, uh, and he. What received a death threat last week. He's received hundreds. He's not running for Congress again because he believes it's going to put his family in so much danger. He received a handwritten letter last week to Congress saying that he was going to be executed and so was his wife and their five-month-old son. Why? Because he sat on the January 6th committee. So, you know, and as I say, he's received multiple death threats before this one, which was why he decided that he wouldn't run again. So you have people who are decent Republicans who are being forced out of of Congress and and you, they're making way for the Marjorie Taylor Greens of this world for the radicals and you have then on the other side you have Liz Cheney who will run again but she's almost certain to be voted out because she's seen now as a traitor I mean you know the idea that a woman as deeply conservative as Liz Cheney who is way to the right of Adam Kitzinger when it comes to you know ordinary everyday politics um the, the idea that she's seen as a liberal and a Republican traitor is would have been laughable even four years ago mm. but this is where it, america is now this is this is where we've gotten to and that's yeah. why i kind of traversed back from the texas thing because it is all bound up in one ball is it not the january 6th committee uh, week two uh, podcast was another one that i had kind of locked and loaded and ready to go let's trawl through what everybody should be watching but a lot of people on this side of the atlantic aren't paying any attention to because it's just not getting any coverage on the news here it really did focus this week though marion on the bullying and the intimidation of state officials what were your big takeaways from this week at the um, committee well hearings? again i think that the committee is doing a really excellent job of almost like a a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle of slowly and painstakingly bringing a very clear picture into view. And, And this one was, as you say, about the bullying at state level. And it was, you know, it was so interesting because there Again, there are so many Republicans who are courageous and who did say, no, you know what, despite the pressure that was put on them, they said, no, I will not break the law for you, Donald Trump. You know, I will do basically like meatloaf, you know, <laughs> I'll do anything for you, but I won't do that. You know, and they said, oh, we will not break the law. And uh, But then you had, oh my goodness, you, you had workers, election workers, and there was one woman who came in as as a, um, a witness and she had been singled out by Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani. She and her mother, they had said that they were passing. Now this is is a, again, just because I want to, to 
let the listeners understand the racial dog whistle that was in this as well. Okay, so Rudy Giuliani um, is says that they are seen on camera, you know, because the, the, all of the election um, areas have, have monitors. And he said that this woman and her mother were seen on camera, I beg about this one, uh, uh, passing um, what he said was a USB stick, you know, one of those little sticks to each other. And he said, now, they could, it, it could have been, you know, they were seen passing some to each other. It could have been cocaine or heroin or, you yeah, know, yeah. and again, the implication that these are black people. So, of course, they're up to no good. And, you know, th- again, that dog whistle that Trump and Giuliani and all of those people have banged on for years now. Um, but anyway, what happened was Trump singled her out. As a result, her life was destroyed. This woman who was only doing her job, who you could see took real pride in her job, said she loved to help people to vote who weren't sure about it, who didn't know how to get ballots, who didn't know, you know, and that is her job as an election official. Uh, she basically wasn't able to leave her home for two months. She she was, she's become a shut in. She had to, in fact, leave her home. Be- um, she was advised by the FBI, she, you know, before January 6th to get out because, and around January 6th, there were people outside her home. There was a mob outside her home. They broke into her grandmother's home looking for her, terrorized her grandmother. Her mother hasn't been able to go out either. They, Donald Trump, by singling out this woman as an example of what he said was corruption and fraud, uh, basically destroyed her life. This woman who had done nothing wrong, absolutely nothing. She had only done her job. And so it's not just Republicans like Liz Cheney who are being singled out for abuse and harassment. You know, Republicans who, who are in their own way able to withstand it. Like it's, you know, that um, and, and they have chosen to be in the world of politics. This woman only chose to work as an election worker. That was what yeah, she chose to do her a certain job and her life was destroyed as a result. Now, you also heard from Brad Raffensperger, who, of course, was the Secretary of State, who Donald Trump famously phoned up and said, I just need you to find me another 11,780 votes. Absolutely. Let me play that clip in there, just in case people have forgotten that. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. Mr. Secretary, was the president here asking you for exactly what he wanted? One more vote than his opponent. What I knew is that we didn't have any votes to find. We had continued to look. Uh, we investigated, like I just shared the numbers with you. There were no votes to find. That was an accurate count that had been certified. And as our general counsel said, there was no shredding of ballots. Mr. Secretary, after making this request, the president then goes back to the danger of having you deny these allegations of fraud. Let's listen to that part of the clip. And I watched you this morning and you said, uh, well, there was no criminality, but I, I mean, all of this stuff is, is very dangerous stuff. It's, when you talk about no criminality, I think it's very dangerous for you to say that. Secretary Raffensperger, you wrote about this in your book uh, and you said, quote, I felt then and still believe today that this was a threat. Others obviously thought so too, because some of Trump's more radical followers have responded as if it was their duty to carry out this threat. Please tell us what you, your wife, even your daughter-in-law experienced regarding threats from Trump's more radical followers. Well, after the, ele- after the election, uh, my 
email, my cell phone was doxxed, and so I was getting texts all over the country, and then eventually my wife started getting the uh, text, and hers typically came in as sexualized uh, texts, which were disgusting. You have to understand that uh, Trish and I, we met in high school, and we've been married over 40 years now, and so um, they started going after her, I think, just to probably put pressure on me. Why don't you just quit, walk away? Now, Marion, before you tell us what Brad Raffensperger said, we're going to head over to Patreon for the juicy extra golden stuff that our supporters get over there. It's how this podcast works. If you want to come over and get double-sized portions of all our weekly podcasts, all three, with Marion, with Sonia, with our big guests on a Sunday who... This Sunday is Gary O'Toole, the Irish swimmer and campaigner for justice for the victims of George Gibney. You need to come on over, patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Come over and join us and enjoy the rest of our shows.